basis for this entire series is in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2. that says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is the glory of kings to seek it out. You know, you're kings, you're queens, we're priests in the kingdom, sons and daughters, right? And it is our glory to say yes to God, even if we don't see what's behind the door, even if we don't see what the next step is, there's something to it. Maybe we're not supposed to know, right? We might not see everything mapped out, you know, steps one through 30. But there's something about the mystery. We're called to live it. It's an adventure. We're called to be a part of it. And, and, and you know, the fear and the anxiety, though, those are not supposed to be a part of it. I love what Elijah spoke about up here. We're not born with these fears ingrained into our minds. We have experiences that lead us to the place where some of us who, who start, you know, some people I know feel anxiety in big crowds, you're not born with that fear, but something happens and then these pathways are created in your brain and all of a sudden you walk into a crowd and you start feeling anxiety. We are not born with that fear and we're not meant to keep it. We're not meant to hold on to it if it does become a part of our life and there's ways we can renew our mind and reroute those tracks and not be afraid of that moment anymore. You know, last week, this is a quick review, but I don't know if any of you looked up um, Kelly McGonigal, but I used her research last week to talk about how uh, it, when we think we're feeling anxiety and fear, the symptoms of anxiety that we start feeling, every single one of us can relate to at least a few of these. When you're in a moment and all of a sudden your heart starts racing and your mind starts racing, you start breathing heavy and you start feeling these symptoms of what most people interpret as anxiety, her research proved that it's not actually anxiety we're feeling, but it's actually our body creating the courage that we need to overcome this moment. It's actually real neuro, uh, it, it's, it's real life neuro hormones that are released in our brain that's helping us think quicker. It's, it's sending more oxygen to our brain. It's, it's, telling, us, it's telling us to get with, with people that, that, uh, that love us and can support us. And it's actually not fear that we're feeling. It's not stress that we're feeling. It's actually courage. And I believe the word backs that up. In Timothy, where Paul says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. And here's this lady, a scientist, who says, you're not actually feeling fear. You're feeling courage. You're feeling power. You're not actually fearing, feeling fear. You're feeling the power to overcome this situation. Man, I love it when somebody, science figures something out, and it's like, oh, yeah, we've known that for a long time, man. We've known this for a long time. Time to catch up, science. You know, God made science, right? Isn't that funny? God made science, and science tries to unmake God all the time. But they can't do it. You can't do it. It's, all, it's written in our DNA. Um, but you know what? Something to go along with this, this anxiety and this fear that some of you are dealing with. I heard somebody say this, too. Um, and this is where I want to pick up today. Somebody told me a few weeks ago. They said, I've never... You know, went to sleep on a Saturday night before, something like this. I'm paraphrasing a bit. I've never really had to go to sleep on a Saturday night and, and think to myself, maybe I shouldn't go to church tomorrow. And start, I, I never really have felt anxiety over going to church on a Sunday morning until we started talking about anxiety a lot. Then all of a sudden on Saturday night, I'm laying in bed and I'm like, maybe I don't need to go to church tomorrow. And I start feeling anxious and fear about going to church. And you know, that, I'm sure, I'm sure this person is not alone in this. Because, you know, the enemy always attacks the word and usually immediately. 
After the word is planted in our hearts, the enemy is going to do whatever he can to come against it and to steal that. Because, you know, I think even more so than, than breaking us down physically with sickness and things like that, I believe his number one goal is to steal the word out of our lives, steal the truth from us, feeding us lies to keep us at a standstill. Because, you know, when you hear the Lord say, go, and everything inside of you says, no, don't, stay. You know what? There's something that the Lord wants. There's something that the Lord is sending you to. There's a great call on your life to make an impact in, 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 in your family. There's a call on your life to make an impact where you work. And when God says, go, it's time to move on this. And the enemy can, can feed us a lie that freezes us. Man, we're not stepping into the things we're called to step in. And you know what else? There's people who aren't getting what they need because we're not taking that step forward and making this impact that we should. He's trying to steal the word away from us. And we actually, Jesus talked about this uh, in the parable of the sower. I, I don't think I'm gonna, we're going to put it up there. But in the parable of the sower, the farmer is scattering seed. And Jesus said that when the enemy comes to steal the word because it's been planted. When the word is planted in your heart, the enemy comes to steal it. Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. And this voice from heaven, audible voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The next thing in the story, Jesus retreats to the wilderness, fasting for 40 days by himself. Satan appears to him. And the first thing he says is, if you are the son of God. Jesus had a word. This is my beloved son. The enemy shows up. If you are the son of God. Adam and Eve had a word from God. Don't eat of this tree. The enemy shows up. Did God really say that if you eat of this tree, you'll die? This is the way the enemy works. When you hear a truth, you have an opportunity in front of you to believe it, to step into it. At the same time, the enemy is going to take the opportunity to do his best to steal it. But here's the truth. You have authority. You have authority, and in fact, all of the authority. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, I have been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus has been given complete authority in heaven on earth. Those are his words. And then I want to read to you 1 John 4, 15 through 17. Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. We have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein, this is the part I want you to hear, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Okay, let's say that one together, because I feel like there's a lot of us. We're kind of sleepy today, right? Say, repeat after me. As he is, as he is, so are we in this world. Let's say it together. You ready? As he is, so are we. In this world, Jesus said, I've been given all authority under heaven and earth. 
And then he tells you a little bit about it. He tells the disciples, so go out, pray for the sick, see them healed, rebuke the demons. And Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves and they calmed down. He showed us through his life what authority he was talking about. And then he says, look, because you believed, just like I was in this world, just like I am, so are you. We have authority. His word has authority. There are other words out there that have no authority. And you know, when we have a word from God, when Jesus hears the voice of his father, you are my son, I am well pleased. That is the voice of authority. And then he hears another voice. If you are the son of God. But let me tell you, that voice had zero authority in his life and it has zero authority in yours. So what's gonna get your attention is the question. Is your attention gonna remain and stay on the voice of authority that actually matters? Or are we gonna give this little tiny squeaky voice telling lies to us authority that not only does it not deserve, it doesn't have. There is no power behind it. You know, when Ava and Judah, my kids, uh, when it's time to unload the dishwasher, my God, you would think that I was physically harming my children when I tell them it's time to unload the dishwasher. I'm gonna give them a little grace. Look, our dishwasher doesn't dry dishes that great. So you pretty much have to dry every dish. And I gotta be honest, I hate unloading the dishwasher. When the kids got a little bit older, the day I realized, oh my God, they can dry dishes now and their tiny little hands can even fit into the cups. I mean, this is great. It was one of the best days of my life. I'm telling you, I was so happy the day I handed Ava and Judah a rag and said, hey guys, I'm gonna give you your first chore. Really, besides cleaning their room and stuff, this is your first chore. When dinner's done and the dishes are clean, the dishwasher stops running. And we're not the people either that run it every night. I don't know if you're like me, but like sometimes, I feel like sometimes we eat seven or eight meals before we run the dishwasher. It gets so packed. I mean, it's just packed in there. And uh, you've got to unload the dishwasher. I'm telling you, they cried real tears. We can't even reach the tall cabinets. I said, I'll put them up. Just dry them and put them on the table. So happy. And now I don't even have to say the word dishwasher. Last night we're watching some TV, just relaxing. And I said, hey, guys. Um, and Ava just goes, no, Dad, no, not tonight. Can't we just leave them in? They cried and cried and cried. So a couple months ago, they got in trouble. Not actually they. I think Judah got in trouble. And I said, hey, your punishment tonight, you have to unload the dishwasher alone. Ava, you're not going to, you don't have to unload the dishwasher tonight. So when dinner was done and the dishwasher stopped running, I was in another room and I heard Ava say, Judah, the dishwasher's done. It's time to unload it. And I heard another voice, Ava, sh shut up. He shouldn't say shut up, but he did. Stop talking. You know, I just kind of let him work it out. You know, things don't get too bad. You got to let them work some things out themselves. I walked in. I don't know what I was thinking, but, you know, I walked in 15, 20 minutes later, fully expecting to see Judah unloading that dishwasher. But he wasn't. He was nowhere to be found. The dishwasher was still sitting there with dishes in it. Um, I went into his room. I said, Judah, what are you doing? He was I'm just playing video games. I said, but Ava told you it's time to unload the dishwasher. He goes, she's not the boss of me. She can't tell me what to do. Here's the thing. Ava was right. It was time to 
to, to, to unload the dishwasher. But you know what? In Judah's life, Ava's voice carries zero authority. In fact, Ava can tell him to do the right thing at the right time. It's actually probably best for him. It was best for him just to obey, unload the dishwasher. There would be zero consequences except for a you know, nice high five, good job, buddy, if he had unloaded the dishwasher in the right time. But Ava's voice, sadly, carries no authority in Judah's life. And it's the truth the other way, too. Judah's voice carries no authority in Ava's life. But they might complain about it a bit. But when either me or Lisa, one, say, guys, it's time now, they're going to unload that dishwasher because our voice, our voices carry authority in their lives. And, you know, that's a goofy example, but it's really true a lot in my own life because I really believe I, I, I hear the Lord's voice. And, you know, I know when he's speaking to me. But so many times there's something inside of me that just cripples me in the moment. And I don't move on a word. I'm so thankful. You know, last week again, we talked about this neurohormone, oxytocin, that's released in our brain during stressful moments. And it's an actual hormone that is leading us to physical contact with other people. It's an actual hormone God put into our brain where in stressful moments, something inside of us says, Go stand with Mary Bell. Tell Mary Bell you need some help right now. Get somebody who loves you to partner with you in this season. I'm so thankful that my parents taught me the value of teamwork over the years. They taught me the value of not just being an island unto myself and trying to do things on my own. Because another really good example of this is the Lord had been speaking to Lisa and myself about renovating this building for months, actually years I mean, years, we dreamed about it. We had designs, Lisa drew out things, you know, like here's what we're gonna do when, this, when the moment's right, right? We had dreams of doing this, but every time something would stop us. Well, we just, finances are tight right now at church, so let's just wait. This or that, or this or that. We have busy time right now, just wait until my good friend Elijah Mosley, who played bass from the sound booth today. How about that? Did y'all see Elijah playing bass in the sound booth? So my good friend Elijah and Sally, our amazing worship pastor, start coming around the church. We start doing life together really every day. And we start talking about renovations. And Elijah says, well, what are you waiting on? I said, well, you know, the moment just needs to be right. At the time, we actually had a plan to paint. I said, well, we're going to paint. We'll start with that. I said, well, that's not going to fix things. You still have four kinds of ugly carpet on the ground. You still have fluorescent lights in the, on the ceiling. You still have all this. What is paint going to do? So you know Elijah starts pushing. Was the Lord saying this? And then all of a sudden he gives me a design. He's like, we're going to do this. We're going to put in a drop ceiling. I'm telling you, it was the push I needed to say yes to the Lord. And I'm telling you, I know myself. Do you know what we would have done during the renovations if it was just up to me? We would have painted. And that would have been it. We would have painted, and I'd have been like, oh, new paint. We renovated. But that's not what Thor was saying. I needed somebody with me. I needed somebody who I loved and trusted to say, this is the moment. This is the time. We're going to move on it. And if, you, if you're just here with us today, and, and you haven't been here for, for that long, here's a quick testimony about the renovations. We did probably three-fourths of the work ourselves with, full with volunteers, doing two shifts a day for three weeks, so we never paid manual labor, really. 
Without paying for labor, 70,000 real dollars went into the renovations here. Out of our church account, checks that we actually wrote was actually only about $7,000. $63,000 or more actually came from outside sources who saw that we were doing renovations and said, hey, how can I help? A couple of the biggest givers towards that don't even go to church here. I needed somebody to say, hey, this is the Lord. Let's move on this. Because I had a word from God, but fear and anxiety were crippling the decision. Man, if you have a word from God, I'm going to encourage you. Step one, get with somebody you love. Not with just some random person because, you know, there's plenty of people out there that would love nothing more than to kill your dreams. So don't find one of those people. Find somebody who loves you. Find somebody, you, honestly, right now, who loves me? I, I, I know most of you in here, you can look to your right or you can look to your left right now and you can probably talk to that person who's sitting beside you right now or who's sitting in front of you. But man, if you have a word from the Lord and something is holding you back from saying yes, find somebody and talk to them. Somebody who loves you. Somebody who will give you godly counsel. Somebody who seeks the Lord. Because man, they're gonna push you in the right direction. I really believe that. Because that word from God has authority. And the word that is saying you won't be able to do it, the resources won't be there, the finances aren't gonna be there, that has no authority. So don't choose, it's your choice, don't choose to give that voice authority it doesn't deserve. And it doesn't, you don't owe it that. You don't owe it even, even your ear. When Judah was born, I'm talking about my kids a lot today, maybe because it's Father's Day. A nurse came in and told us that he was deaf in his left ear. They had done a test, a right ear, which if we were fearful individuals, we probably would have sat there and thought, man, that's the same ear Lisa was born deaf in. This must be like a hereditary thing, or this must be something, right? Even though Lisa, her ear was healed, um, Nine years before Judah was born, maybe, uh, she was pumping gas at a gas station. We were just at this gas station right here. Lisa was pumping gas, and she started freaking out. She's I can hear out of my right ear. Well, years later, Judah's born, and they said he doesn't have any hearing registering in his right ear. And just want you to know, these tests really aren't ever wrong. We, she's like, we don't, they, we don't look for them to, you know, we don't like snap in his ear and have him look. They actually follow these electrical signals, you know, with, with technology. Um, but you know what happened? Uh, Lisa and I were in Bible college at the time, and we were, I mean, I, I'm telling you, we were just seeking the Lord more than we ever had in our lives. And when this nurse came in and told us that, it was the craziest thing. I hope we can experience it again one day, but I'm telling you, there was no fear at all. We didn't look at each other when she left and cry. We didn't even get together and pray over Judah. We didn't sit there and, and pray and, and say, Lord, please heal our son's ear. That never happened. She walked out of the room. We said, thank you, with a smile. And I just remember the rest of the day, we just held our newborn son and enjoyed him. Later that night, I know I was holding him, and I just remember kind of leaning down and saying, thank you, Jesus, this ear can hear. That was it. I'm telling you, that was it. The next day, she came in and said, we're going to give him one more hearing test. And she came back, and she goes, I know I told you those tests were never wrong, but it was wrong. He can hear just fine. But you know what? I'm telling you. That day, we can look back and remember the day Judah was born fondly because we had a great time. We enjoyed him. We weren't in fear. We didn't sit there in the hospital room. You know, please, Lord, don't let our son be deaf in his ear. It was a beautiful moment. But I'm telling you, that word 
that she came in and spoke, they had no authority. I'm not bashing doctors, don't get me wrong. I think we should all go to the doctor. I think we should get physicals. I think we should get checkups. I think we should not be afraid to get a diagnosis from a doctor. And I think if there's a negative report maybe that comes from a doctor's report, instead of fear, wouldn't it be great if we responded in faith and said, man, so this is what the doctor's saying. But you know what? I'm going to choose to believe the other report that says I'm healed in Jesus' name. And maybe they're saying this word. Maybe they're putting this diagnosis. But you know what? This name has to bow down to the name of Jesus. There shouldn't be any fear in going to get a diagnosis. But just know that there's a word that carries authority. And there's a word that doesn't. And Judah can hear, I know, because we gave our ear to the word that had authority. That said he was made whole. So, you know, then when his kindergarten teacher said, I don't think he can hear good. We were just able to say, no, he just doesn't listen. <laughs> it's your job to teach him how to listen. We're doing our best. We need some help. Help us teach them how to listen. She says, but sometimes when I talk to him, he just barks at me like a dog. So that's because he likes dogs. <laughs> the first time he got in trouble, we did get a note home that said, today... And it said, all day, actually, every time I spoke to Judah, he just responded as a puppy. <laughs> I think it was funny the teacher wrote the word puppy. But uh, he's a good little puppy. But there is a word that has authority. There is a word that doesn't. Listen to the one that carries the authority. Give the one that carries authority attention. The same authority that Jesus has we have in this world, remember 1 John, as he is, so are we. That's because of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that resided in Jesus resides in us. And I want you to get this picture. I saw Bill Johnson say this this week, and I thought, I'm going to say that, because it, it gave me some revelation. He said, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus at the moment of baptism like a dove. And that's a whole other thing. A lot of us don't walk in this authority. This is like a side note. A lot of us don't walk in the authority that we have on the inside because we don't think we're qualified, because we think we're disqualified. But John the Baptist, who actually baptized the Son of God, who baptized God, who witnessed the Holy Spirit descend on him like a dove, he made a statement, look, here comes the one whose shoelaces I'm not even worthy to tie. Isn't that a funny example that John do out there, right? I'm not even worthy to tie his shoelaces. And moments later, he was baptizing him. You should baptize me. No, no, no. Jesus said, you're baptizing me. So we can learn from this. What actually qualifies you is just saying yes to the things you don't think you're qualified for. It's not about what you can do. It's not about what you're physically able to perform. It's not about your know-how. It's not about that. The only thing that you need to qualify you is doing the thing you're not qualified to do. The only thing we need to be the same way Jesus was, according to 1 John, is to believe. And so many people are going to try to make it about your actions. Have you been good enough today? If not, run to the altar. I'm all for the altar. In fact, we're going to have some altar time. Man, don't come up here to like get right with God and beg him to forgive you of your sins. You've been forgiven. You're made clean. You're okay. You're qualified. You're doing good. God looks at you just like he looked at Jesus and he says, well done. You're doing great. 
It is not about our actions. If it was, we'd have a completely different Bible with completely different stories. But when you read these and you really take them to heart, man, what you're going to learn is it is not about our actions. We're qualified and we carry the authority because of one reason and one reason alone. We believed. That was it. So just real quick, show of hands. How many of us believe? Do you believe in Jesus? Son of God, died for our sins, rose again. That means you're qualified. That means you carry that same authority Jesus carried. The Holy Spirit, what gives us that authority, descended upon Jesus like a dove. So about five years ago, three, four years ago, Lisa and I were here. Angie, who was our secretary at the time, was here, and my dad. Weirdest thing I ever saw. This is a good dad story for Father's Day. He always had the weirdest stuff that would happen to him. And, and most, I'm sure it was God, right? I and mean, it has to be because so much weird stuff just doesn't happen. He was pretty weird, so maybe he just attracted it. But it was definitely God, okay? So he walked out the back door. He's walking down the sidewalk right here. And I'm telling you, this dove just started descending. And all four of us were, I know we were all thinking the same thing. That dove is flying straight towards us. It's going to move, right? It's going to move. It didn't move. It flew right towards us and actually landed on Dad's shoulder and just sat there. And he goes, God, look at this dove. And the Lisa, me, Angie, we were, we were all, where'd you get that? What is he, is he just sitting there? And we just all sat there and stared at this dove. I'm telling you, for it must have been five or six minutes, which is kind of a long time when you're just staring at a dove, right? So Angie says, I'm going to see what happens. She goes, he, he did. Yeah, you remind, he put his finger up here, and the dove got on his finger like it was trained or something, and he's holding it like this. Angie goes, let me see if he'll come on. And she put her hand right here and he flew away. It was done, right? I'm positive that was the Lord, right? He was saying something on that day to dad. But get this picture, okay? The Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. Just imagine a dove on your shoulder, okay? Actually imagine a real bird on your shoulder. Not a trained one, just a wild dove on your shoulder. Now imagine you want that dove to stick around. You want that dove to be on your shoulder all day. This is not... A lesson about the Holy Spirit leaving. I, he will never leave you or forsake you. So separate what I'm about to say from that thought, okay? But you want this dove to stay on your shoulder. You would be fully aware of that dove for as long as it was on your shoulder. You'd walk slower. If you're going to shake somebody's hand, you might reach the other hand out if he's on your right shoulder because you don't want to move. If you're going to get something to drink, you know, you might be really slow. I mean, like you would just be very aware of the presence of this dove because you want him to stay there. I think the lesson in this is not that the Holy Spirit will fly away if you do something wrong. That will not happen. I don't think we can do something wrong enough for that to happen. In fact, I know we can't. But the awareness. Let's choose to walk out this life with the awareness that the full authority of Jesus resides in us. And it is bigger than any fear that is staring us in the eye. It is bigger than any anxiety than we could ever feel. That authority that resides in us is truer than any lie the enemy ever speaks. And when the decisions we make in life are made through the lens of the awareness of that authority. It will change our lives. 
It will change the decisions you make. It will lead you to take that next step that's further away from home than you've ever been. It will lead you not just through fear and anxiety. It'll lead you straight past it. It'll just like, like when you're driving 60 miles per hour, you can barely see the things that are, you know, moving out the window. You'll fly past the fear and anxiety so fast you might not even realize they were ever there. But be aware of that authority that you're walking with. Believe that you're qualified. Give the word of God the attention and not the lie. You know, a really good way to do that is renewing your mind. And we've talked about that so often, but Romans 12, 2 says that we're actually transformed by renewing our mind. In other words, the battle is right here. The battle that we need to fight is not some spiritual battle with some kind of spiritual swords and, and shields and, and, and things. It, it's a battle in our mind. It's a battle in our thoughts. The battle is, am I going to give attention to the fear that carries no authority or am I going to give attention to the boldness that's inside of me that does carry all the authority, to the word that carries the authority? Renewing your mind is so important. Pray in tongues. Man, if you don't pray in tongues, we're going to have altar call in a little bit. You should come up here and tell somebody, I want to pray in tongues because that is a powerful gift. And man, when your mind can't understand something, I mean, when you're praying in the spirit, it's called praying in the spirit because you're not using your mind. You're bypassing the part of you that could come against the fear. You're bypassing the part of you that could say yes to the, to the fear, to the lies. And you're just praying in the spirit. I'm closing with this. The Bible says that Satan goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The really important part, I think, of this, seeking whom he may devour. You know that thing when you're like, Mom, can I have this? She's like, I don't know. Can you? Are you asking me? No, you may or you may not have this. Mother, may I have this? You're asking somebody with authority if you can have something. They're saying yes or no. Satan goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour you. I'm telling you, all he can do is stand in front of you Excuse me, may I attack you right now? May I speak to you this lie? May I, may I? There's a very simple answer when you're the one that carries authority. No, you may not. That's what the person in authority can do. That's what the person in authority can say. He doesn't go around with some kind of license to attack. He doesn't go around with some kind of license to get into your life and screw it up. He's going around, not even as a roaring lion. He's only going around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Here's the answer. No, you may not. And maybe from across the room, maybe from across the room, he's shouting, you can't do it. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough friends. You don't have enough talent. Maybe he's screaming it without even asking, but still, no, you may not speak these lies over me. The truth is, I have everything I need. If I can go out here and pick up a stick, I have every physical thing I need. If I can just get out the words yes and say yes to Jesus and take a step, I have what I need, everything I need. He's asking, may I? No, you may not. 
And then James talked about this. James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's what we're talking about right now. Man, as we renew our minds, as we say yes to what the Lord is saying, and as we say no to the lies of the enemy, he will flee. He'll turn around and run the other way. He's not going to waste his time on somebody that gives no ear. And we actually saw that with Jesus. He didn't stick around in the desert that whole time. He basically had three shots at Jesus. All three, all three got torn down real fast and then he ran. There is word out there, there is a word that carries all the authority. And there's a word and there's a lie that carries no authority. Man, just choose Choose to give your attention to the one that carries authority. Choose to give your attention and choose to be aware of what you carry. Amen. Let's stand